Sketch 10 of Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zora Boys at Home and Abroad, or How to Succeed, by William Alexander McKay. Sketch 10, James and John Fletcher or The Experiences of Two Zora Brothers. The Fletcher family consisted of father, mother, four sons, and two daughters. They moved from St. Catharines into Zora in 1841, and constituted the only family not Highland in the district. This peculiarity made them the object of much interest, and perhaps also commiseration. In some respects, it must be confessed, they were considerably in advance of their Celtic neighbors. They owned a lumber wagon and a grindstone. The latter became a sort of common property in the neighborhood and was regarded as a great convenience by all, except Jimmy Fletcher, the lad who was expected to turn it whenever a neighbor came to sharpen his knife, axe, or scythe. I got, says he, into the habit of disappearing very mysteriously on such occasions. The circumstances of this family were for some years straightened enough. While the father and two other sons, Aaron and Israel, worked hard from dawn till dark, clearing the farm, Mrs. F., assisted by her two little girls, not only attended to the indoor work, but on her loom wove clothing for the neighbors till late every night, and thus greatly helped to support the family. She wove so much for the neighbors, writes her son, that she found little time to weave for us boys. My mother had a great faculty for making garments out of all sorts of materials. Joseph's coat of many colors was far outstripped by some of the coats we flourished in those days. By and by, their condition became more comfortable. A considerable part of the farm was cleared, and the crops were good. Cattle, sheep, and hogs were abundant, and, finally, horses gladdened the eyes of the boys. Never were boys more passionately fond of horses than the boys of the Fletcher family. Riding on horseback, says James, was the delight of my young life, and for years I took a colt each winter to break in for some of our neighbors, and in this way I provided myself with the means of conveyance, while I taught singing school in a number of places throughout the township. A striking characteristic of the whole Fletcher family was their never-failing good humor. They were brimful of fun joking, laughing, merrymaking. This is the picture I have of them after the lapse of nearly fifty years. Let no one underestimate the value of a sunny, even merry disposition. It may easily be overdone, but kept within moderate restraint, it serves a most useful purpose in life. It certainly made the Fletchers very popular with their highland neighbors. They are always happy, and there is nothing they'll not do for a body, was the opinion frequently expressed. It is easy to smile and be pleasant when life flows by like a song, but the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when everything goes dead wrong. In this paper we will speak of only the two younger boys of this family, James and John, both of whom are still living. In his eighteenth year, Jimmy Fletcher, as he was familiarly called, began to teach. He taught school on the sixteenth line for one year. I was full of ambition, he writes, and determined to push myself to the front. I saved enough money the first year to enable me to take a course in grammar and mathematics, as far as required to obtain a first-class certificate. 
After this, he taught the school on the ninth line, where he himself had, a few years before, attended as a scholar, some of his old schoolmates now becoming his pupils. The writer was one of these. I am free to say that a more clever, tactful teacher I never had. To a large extent, he discarded the use of the taws and the many other foolish and cruel methods of punishment in vogue up to his time. He gave us his confidence, and we gave him ours, and never did teacher and scholars get along more harmoniously. The schoolhouse was no longer a place of punishment, but the brightest spot in the district. Jimmy Fletcher was a good fiddler, and during the noon hour, he would take down his fiddle and play while the boys and girls would dance and whirl and whoop after the most approved Highland fashion. Heck Ross, Hugh Anderson, John Sutherland, and some more of the older boys helped the teacher supply the music. Thus the education of the heels and head went on concurrently for a time, until J.C., a trustee of ultra-puritanical views, thought it was not it for young people to be so thoughtless. And as the spring was coming on, the bigger boys and girls left school, and so the dancing ceased. In 1864, James Fletcher went to the United States. His experience has been varied, and he has wrought at a variety of things, with more or less temporary success. Pegging away, without thought of resting until the end is accomplished, is a quality in which James Fletcher does not excel. His achievements have been worthy, in some instances brilliant, but he has accomplished far less than he otherwise would because of this lack of untiring, persistent effort in one direction. He is the author of a number of ingenious inventions, some of which have brought him considerable revenue, but only for a season. He still fondly remembers his old neighbors, chums, and schoolmates. Of Donald MacLeod, his nearest neighbor, he says, to this day I cannot recall a man in all my varied experience that I think fully his equal in honesty of purpose and faithful loyalty to duty. Of James, the eldest son of Donald MacLeod, he writes, So pure in heart, so lofty in aim, he was called to the better land while yet his son had scarcely reached its zenith. I do not expect to ever see his like again. Angus MacLeod he also mentions in terms of admiration. John Bruce, Alex M. Sutherland, and the writer are still in his heart, as well as in his memory. He closes his letter with the following words. I have been over the world a great deal since the days of Auld Lang Syne, but I have nowhere met in one place such a number of strong, brainy and successful boys as were fashioned in my own little neighborhood on the eighth line of Zorro. John A. Fletcher John A. Fletcher, brother of James, was the wag of the district, always making fun or perpetrating some practical joke. I will not say that his humor was of the most cultured kind, but it was the natural product of his time and surroundings, and it did not a little to lighten the burdens and brighten the lives of the weary Zora pioneers of fifty years ago. He saw only the sunny side of life, and if ever there was one who could extract sunbeams out of cucumbers, it was he. He is now a well-to-do farmer in Wexford, Michigan, and seems still to retain some of his old-time humor. In a recent letter to the writer, he says, The Fletcher family was, I think, the only non-Highland family in the school. Our ignorance of the Gaelic was regarded by our neighbors as a great misfortune, but something we could not help 
so we were forgiven and very kindly treated. I look back with pride upon the Scotch laddies of that day, who in spite of early difficulties have pushed their way and climbed to eminence. The Fletcher boys did most of their climbing into apple trees or in the woods after chipmunks. As to myself, he modestly continues, I was never afflicted with push, pluck, or perseverance. My teachers tried hard to find in me the spring of learning in the same way that the pioneers used to try to locate the spring of water, that is, with a blue beech rod, but in vain. Fun was more to me than college life, and fun I had. John Fletcher, shouted his teacher. What are you doing? Reading? Nah. Writing? Nah. Ciphering? Nah. What then are you doing? Just waiting till school gets out. John was not so strict an observer of the Sabbath as his Scotch neighbors, and tradition has it that one Sabbath afternoon he and two companions went out to the woods and killed no less than twenty-two chipmunks. There was in the neighborhood a stream of water over which there was a narrow footbridge. Over this bridge the people coming from church had to pass, and John Fletcher put the twenty-two slaughtered innocents on the center of the little footbridge, and then, from his concealment a little way off, saw the antics and listened to the screams of terrified women trying to pass. A friend who, along with three or four others, once accompanied John Fletcher for a whole day, in a wagon along a toll road, relates how at each toll gate, as the woman put out her hand to take the money, John would clasp it tenderly and, with the most affectionate look on his face, inquire into the welfare of herself and family and friends. The thing was done so naturally that in no case was any offense taken, but in most cases he was thought to be some real, though forgotten, friend of the family. Some little distance from John Fletcher's home, there lived a tombstone agent, more noted for his zeal in pushing his business than for tender regard for the feelings of recently bereaved ones. South of Embro, about six or seven miles, there was a man who had just lost his wife. Not, however, by death, but by elopement. She had run away with a young neighbor. So John Fletcher thought of a practical joke. He hied off to the residence of the tombstone man, and in the course of conversation asked him if he had heard that Mr. So-and-so had lost his wife. "'Has he? I must go and see if I cannot sell him a tombstone.' So off he went next morning. He found the bereaved husband plowing with his oxen in the field. To in confidence, the agent did the plowing for some time, and then the following conversation ensued. Agent, "'You've lost your wife, I understand?' Farmer, "'Oh, yes, she's gone.' Agent, "'You'll want to erect a memorial stone for her?' Farmer, "'What? Let the scoundrel who ran away with her put up a stone for her?' It is needless to say that the tombstone man soon disappeared. John Fletcher did not call on him for a long, long time after this. Another illustration of John's practical jokes may here be given. A Methodist minister by the name of Brown was announced to give an address on missions in the Ninth Line schoolhouse. As the Fletchers were the only Methodists in the neighborhood, the preacher, of course, stayed there. A missionary meeting was no ordinary affair in those days, and all, old and young, were sure to attend. The hope was expressed that the collection would be a liberal one, 
james and john fletcher became interested in the missionary meeting and a spirit of mischief prompted them to a very doubtful method of preparing themselves and others for the collection they made a number of discs about the size and appearance of the old english sixpenny piece a large quantity of these they distributed to the other boys of the neighborhood the evening for the missionary meeting came and the schoolhouse was but dimly lighted with a couple of candles reverend mr brown spoke pathetically of the ignorance and degradation of the heathen and made an eloquent plea for a liberal contribution and then the hat was passed around by j c an aged highlander whose eyesight was not so good soon the hat was literally filled with a good silver collection never before was such a large collection taken up in zora that evening or next morning the preacher said nothing about the collection mrs fletcher who was a devoted methodist was somewhat surprised at this and at the breakfast table she ventured to congratulate the preacher on the good collection of the previous evening she had seen the hat emptied two or three times and was overjoyed good collection i'm sure said mrs f oh no was the reply poor collection just a few coppers and a lot of tin pieces which some boys put in the truth at once dawned upon mrs fletcher she had noticed her boys the day before fashioning the tin discs i am afraid said she my boys did this there they are and talk to them the preacher laid down his knife and fork and in a kindly way remonstrated with the boys for their conduct but john fletcher was as usual equal to the emergency oh pshaw said he those pieces will pass among the heathen as well as any other the missionary was so much amused at the answer that he laughed heartily mrs fletcher joined in the laugh and this let the boys down easily end of sketch ten recording by joshua kenny